nobody knows or cares what your flagship is or what my flagship is. Like the only thing that they know is that all the juicy things is available. If all you the say time. house, though, yeah. I I also think that there's a, a little drawback yeah. for people. I, Some people like, like, oh, it's flagship. Then I don't know. It's not exclusive. Yeah, so like it's recording. so you okay. always have it. <laughs> ah, I'm here to. Uh, that's that's what I'm here for. I'm here to. I'm here to just kind of start it up. You know, just, like. Yeah. All right. Gonna... So I guess we. What we could do is actually introduce this thing. Uh, so we have another episode here of the podcast from Unified Beer Works called Liquid People. My name is Andrew Beam. I'm Josh White. And we're just going to serve that as the introduction because today we're being joined Jeff. by. Oh, sorry, Jeff is here. Uh, <laughs> oh, Eric is here too, but she's just shaking her head and oh, just hey. sort of disagreement with everything. Uh, but no, we're not. but today we're being joined by Nick Meyer, Hello, everybody. head brewer at Whitman Brewing. Right, it's Whitman because that's the one Walt thing I feel like some people get confused Whitman. by. They're like Walt Whitman, Whitman Walt Brewing. and Whitman. So it's your shirt says Walt and Whitman. Yeah, that's so, not confusing. So I'll, I'll I'll explain it like this, right? So uh, when coming up with a name, uh, the owner of our brewery uh, was from Long Island. He's a writer. He really loves Walt Whitman, and uh, he wanted to name the place after Walt Whitman. Uh, unfortunately, you can't trademark somebody's name. No, so, oh, no, right. you can't. That's you're not allowed to do that. So uh, essentially, it's your own name. Yeah. So what we did was we, we named the cafe Walt Cafe, and the brewery is Whitman Brewing Company. That's why if you look at any of our cans, they say Whitman Brewing at the top. Uh, we identify ourselves as Whitman Brewing Company, uh, and that is the company line for you. I learned something new today. Yeah. Hey, go. man, that's good. I mean, honestly, I'm just going to keep call, calling you guys Walt and Whitman Brewing, that's and I'm fine. just going to tell everyone else that's that, fine. too. It works. No, uh, I mean, you also occupy... Speaking of a writer, you occupy occupy an old, an old a building that that housed a newspaper, sure one did. of which I, I used to work for, or at oh, least the affiliated, uh, the Troy Record, which apparently was also owned by the same company. This is one of my favorite things: is like when when people come up uh, to to our brewery, they'll be like, "Hey, like I used to deliver papers for the Saratoga." Yeah, like, that's rad as hell. You know, I signed my paperwork in that building <laughs> to start at the Troy Record. So, so like that, like to me, that's 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 super rad, right? And uh, you know, this is kind of again, like to use the word like company line. Like this is my kind of formulated answer to this is that it's it's pretty cool um, that something that was essentially good old fashioned American manufacturing, right? Like wow. they would. They would type out the paper there, they would write it there, and then they would send it down to the printing presses, presses that was in the same building, and they would pump out a physical product that was then delivered to somebody's doorstep and and given to them, straight to them, right? And now there's a shitload of fermenters there. <laughs> exactly, in that exact spot. Although some would call that profession just a bunch of communists or turncoats. Well... I'm not here to talk about politics. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, Thank God. But All right. I digress. So I have, I, I have, I did have an actual real question. My first question written I down for you. That. I know, and and we've talked about this, and I just wanted this is this is a curiosity. So I I, I just tried to find some stuff on you online. It's a little difficult. Me you don't or Walt Whitman. You me you Ooh, specifically. Geez, There's not too much. 
That's what I said. I was like, I'll there's be careful. Probably, we there's probably a full background check. There's probably <laughs> something floating around there from my baseball days, maybe. I don't know. Well, what I really want to know is, do you believe that you originate from the same dimension as Rick's home dimension of C-137, or are you mistaken, like Morty, and are actually from a different dimension? No, no. So, um, so currently... Uh, what the fuck did you just ask? <laughs> C-137, is that a hop? <laughs> HBC one. That's, that's a new experimental. Story. I'm pretty sure HBC one thirty seven is a thing. No. So, uh, so you are talking of my Instagram bio, I think. Uh, uh, Twitter, but yeah. Twitter, Instagram, same thing. Uh, so no, what I would say is that uh, they created Rick and Morty in Dimension C one thirty seven. Uh, they are talking about Dimension C-137, uh, and, and we are in that dimension. So, yes, I am Nick Meyer, C-137. Okay, all right. About. I just wanted to make sure that we were no, talking okay. about, that we are on the same level, that we are in the same dimension in which you originated. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I do, I would like to discover some form of interdimensional travel <laughs> at some point, uh, but I haven't quite gotten there yet. We I'm haven't too, unlocked the multiverse? I'm too busy working on beer right now uh, <laughs> to uh, to get to the whole portal fluid thing. Hold on, I'm hold on, hold it. on, hold on. You're the very person that said, are we even going to talk about beer in this podcast? <laughs> First question I go with, not even related to beer. You just tried to turn it back to beer. See, I don't understand. Well, because what kind of brewer would I be if I didn't make everything about beer in some way, <sighs> shape, or form? So wait, now it's my job to get you off beer? I don't even understand. Okay, fine. Then next question. I'm going to jujitsu you all the way through this podcast, buddy. Going, going, <laughs> going based off of your, again, your Twitter, do you still have faith in Carson Wentz? Uh, so, so no. I, I do like that you did a deep dive into my Twitter. This is great because I, I can only imagine what tweets that you're going to pull out from here. But no, uh, Carson Wentz, not elite. I can say that right now. Carson Wentz, not an elite quarterback. He had flashes of brilliance. Oh, it was unbelievable. Flashes of brilliance for three quarters of a season, tore his ACL, never to be the same. And, and screwed his back up. No, I mean, Carson Wentz, uh, when he was with the Eagles, uh, was worth believing in. Uh, now that he is a Washington commander. Commander? I, commanders. Commandant. I don't commander, know if you can be a singular. The team is commanders. The, uh, the commodes. A Washington C <laughs> the word. Now, now that he's a, a Washington C word, uh, he <laughs> is uh, he is um, he is not uh, he is disavowed disavowed by Team Meyer. Getting back to real stuff because that's about <laughs> as much as I had from your Twitter. Uh, so the one the one thing I've, you're in here a bunch. I know you're, you're you're friends with Jeff and Erica. I guess love them. They're us great by somewhat of an extension. We've had conversations. So the one thing that I also was kind of curious about, just sort of starting out, because obviously your your profession is now head brewer. Uh-huh. Before though, correct me if I'm wrong. You're in a fraternity, and uh-huh. that's not where I'm sure trying to was. go with this. But what I was curious though is, what beers were you drinking in college? And then was it what did you get introduced to craft beer in college? Or so, what was it that introduced you to craft beer? So that was that was a good job, Andrew. That was a great question. Thank you. Uh, no, so uh, what I would say is that, um, I mean, I think like every other upper middle class white kid that was in college, like I uh, definitely drank my fair share of Keystone and Coors Light and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Coors Light was big. Yeah. Um, but I always would, especially once I turned 21, right, and I was actually walking into the package store and not trying to get, like, in and out of there as soon as possible to not make it look like I was sus. Um, 
you know, suspect for any of you people that don't understand what he might be meaning. Like when I when I wasn't trying to look sus by like standing at the at the cooler for too long, uh, I definitely started to take more time at the craft beer section of it, and I would look at it a little more. And I went from like just drinking Sierra Nevada Pale Ale or whatever to saying like, oh, okay, what's what's local or whatever. And and let's not forget, I mean, you know, obviously I'm I'm no grandpa, but like the craft beer industry is very young. Uh, I was in in college almost a decade ago, um, and uh, craft beer hadn't quite fully formed yet. I know, I know, guys. Um, like cra- craft beer hadn't quite fully formed yet, right? Like Treehouse wasn't a thing, Trillium wasn't a thing yet. Um, we had like Magic Hat to go off of yeah. Lake Placid Brewery. I mean, this is I'm I went to school in the North Country in New York, so that's kind of what I was the, the OGs. Yeah, yeah, and you and but you they had started. If not for for breweries like that, I think it's pretty obvious to us in the industry the treehouses might not have happened. Yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta pay homage to to those OGs. To well, the absolutely, and, and they also made the business model viable, right? Like a place like that wouldn't have had the the investor interest or anything like that if there isn't a proof concept. Right. And because there was no proof of concept for what Trillium and Treehouse do right now at that point. Right. What the proof of concept was at that point was build out small, get big, you know, distribute, become a national brand. And now you have leverage against your distributor where they can distribute you wide and you can start to negotiate a better price for your product and things like that. Um, Whereas Treehouse and Trillium kind of forged their own way as far as showing people, hey, you can create a, a destination brand, a brand of, of, hey, just come and hang out with us, you know, and that's what I think you You can't get this beer unless you come to this area, unless you come to us. And you can't get the experience either. Mm. Like, even Unified, right? Like, this place is, is entirely singular in its own way. You cannot get the experience you get at Unified or at Whitman or at name your local small brewery that you love to go to for your happy hour bar, which is what, in my opinion, the brewery has become, right? The brewery has become uh, America's pub. It's become America's happy hour spot, whereas the, the bar, right, is where you go to find a maid or to you know like kind of get really drunk with your buddies or whatever you don't go there to decompress you don't go there to kind of uh hang out and meet new people and all that kind of stuff whereas that is what the american brewery is now is the american public house where you can meet your neighbor you can meet your friend that you don't know yet you know, and you can meet somebody, whether it's the same gender, other gender, whatever, and you can just meet somebody that has similar interests to you and 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 wants to hang out and do the same things and is has the same hours as you or whatever, right? And that's that's kind of what we as a as an industry try to provide. So you think that bars are really just a place for heathens, whereas breweries can really just be a communal space. I love really it. super high-class bars. <laughs> it's good, wholesome family fun. We're, we're bars that make their own beer. But so, so you said you would study. I mean, what made you start going like, oh, I should really take a look at these craft beers? So what I would say is actually that uh, I, I did this project 
uh, in college, I did a marketing project where we were uh, challenged with making a marketing report for a local business. Uh, and I was paired up with one of my fraternity brothers um, and a couple other random people from the class. And my fraternity brother and I, being the leaders of the group, kind of looked at each other and said, you know, hey, what, what are we interested in? What do we want to do, right? And we started to sniff around local businesses as to what would actually kind of catch our interest. And where were you also in this? University of Hartford. Okay. So we were in West Hartford, Connecticut, um, and we were about 10 minutes away from Thomas Hooker Brewing Company, which is actually where I ended up getting my first job in the brewing industry. God damn it, that was my next question. <laughs> um, but uh, we went to them and we said, hey, you know, we noticed that you've been in this place for 12 years now and we know about you as, as students of University of Hartford, but we don't know kind of what your local reach is as far as just the general population and right. stuff like that. We'd like to help you increase that. Um, so we did a project for them in my senior year. And, um, and Were they just like, oh, all right, fucking fine. Yeah, we don't have to yeah, pay yeah. you. Oh, yeah, they were absolutely. And I love Lisa to death. Lisa, if somehow you end up listening to this, you are so, I thank you so much for letting me have a job and everything like that. But you are absolutely apathetic uh, <laughs> to to us um, to us doing this project for you. You're like, yeah, sure, why not? Wait, who's Lisa? Uh, Lisa was the general manager, uh, is the general manager at Thomas Hooker Brewing. Okay. She is rad as hell. Uh, she is the reason that I, in the craft brewing industry okay um and uh she is my connecticut mom i love you lisa if you do find your way to watching uh watching or listening this listening i guess listening i don't know if anyone's i don't know if we do video here thank the lord there's no cameras (laughs) wait shit we have security cameras which well anyway but yeah lisa's rad as hell (laughs) if you guys are in uh in hartford connecticut at all you should definitely check out thomas circuit brewing they make awesome beer uh i love them they gave me my shot in this industry so free plug nice yeah 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 yeah. free ads um but yeah uh that that was essentially what happened was we we did this project uh for for hooker in uh in my senior year and when I couldn't quite figure out what to do with my degree after college. I decided to inquire with them about a job. I, you know, worked behind the bar for a little bit, and then that wasn't enough to pay the bills. So I said, hey, can I help out in the back? And they found me a spot on the bottling line. Then you started stripping. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and they they found a job. This is the funny thing, right, is that uh, this is – Interestingly enough, I've I've always said this about when I was born. I was born in 1992. I feel like I was born in the middle of the transition. I know, I know, I know, Jeff. Um, I was born in in the middle of this transition from the analog age to the digital age, right? Where, right. Uh, there were still rotary telephones in my elementary school, but there were also, uh, you know, we had cell phones. Mm-hmm. So. I, I see this kind of middle ground and I the same thing happened to me in craft beer where I showed up, we were still filling 12 ounce bottles, 12 ounce glass bottles. I worked on a bottling line that filled 120 bottles a minute in my as my first job in the in the craft brewing industry and the sound was deafening. That is fucking hammering fast. Yeah, oh, that is it was wild. insane. It was a, I think it was a 16 head rotary yeah, bottle filler. It was just almost 5 cases a minute. Ting 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 ting. It was it was unbelievable. Exactly. So, you I saw the 
young state of the industry at the time, right? Like I saw where it hadn't quite reached where it's at yet. And very, very quickly through my time in the industry in about a year and a half to two years from there, Treehouse had become what it is, you know? So I watched it all happen. Uh, and because of that, I have a very rounded perspective, right? Like I have a rounded perspective of the original people that got into this industry were into it for the reasons of, I want to get either import style beer or I want to get something that's outside of the general norm mm. for like what you would find in a, a liquor store fridge, right? I don't just want a Hefeweizen. I don't just want an American Pilsner. I want a German Pils. I want uh, some form of IPA. I want... And, and that's where American craft beer started to push the boundaries, right? And that's what I was able to watch not only the consumer learn, but I watched a lot of brewers learn how to do all of this stuff, right? They get, they come in contact with a New England style IPA and they go, whoa, how can we do this? You know, and I was right there in New England at the inception of it. That's how we got started. I didn't want to drive to Treehouse. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to figure out how to make these beers so I don't have to drive there and get in line. And not to burst and, and anybody's not know what I was gonna get. Like And not to burst anybody's bubble. It's not all that complex. You know? Like, you know what I mean? No. Like, this is like black <laughs> magic, man. No, it's really not. Cause 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 what would we be if we You just weren't? deflated so many hopes and dreams of brewers. Well, like, no, oh, no, 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 no. I would hope to inflate them. I would no, hope I to inflate them that that if that Every if, brewery that sorry, I can think of. Anyone that owns a brewery, I guess, at this stage. They're just yeah. like shit. Uh, thought Every everyone thought we were magicians. Of, though, for the most part makes a pretty decent example of a New England style IPA. It's not this wildly complex thing that nobody else can seem to do. Like, no, everybody can do it now. Like it's not that complicated. So, so I watched all of my friends and the people that I was working with at the time work towards that, right? And then we all, they all figured it out. You know right. what I mean? And, and. Now, were then, you doing this at Thomas Hooker or were uh, you doing this? Is this when you went to back east? So this is Which kind also of, is in Connecticut, kind of in right? The, the both periods, right? Is yeah. that like I'm watching Thomas Hooker move from making very traditional style American craft beer, right? Like their four main core styles were a Blondale, a stout with cacao powder in it, a West Coast IPA, and a couple of seasonals and things like that, right? right? And they cut, and then one no of the, what's that? No lager. Uh, they had a Munich Hellas at the okay. time, but that was a seasonal thing. Okay. Um, uh, like I was when, when I hear you like explaining that that kind of lineup, I'm like, where where's the the light American lager in there? Well, so that's it what the blonde like should be there. Right? The Blondale was for that, okay. right? Like the Blondale was for the consumer because at the end of the day, right, they were trying to run a slim business. Like so, the Blondale there was for the consumer that likes Coors Light, but they didn't. Lagers cost time. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's something yeah. that I think that the consumer, because they don't have the expensive flashy ingredients in them, they don't have the fruit and the hops and all that kind of stuff in them where they're like, why does this cost more money? And it's like, well, because we spent more time on yeah, it. Like tied a tank up for three times as long. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 It's like I could have sold you three batches of hoppy beer in the time that it took to brew this one lager and nobody's 
nobody wants to sit down and listen to that unless they're really, really into beer, right? Or listen to this podcast, which thank you, all which of you fine. who listen to That's this. Fine. Yeah. All seven of you. <laughs> <laughs> but so with, with them, right, I watched them transition and I see the head brewer at the time brings in the Citra Mosaic New England style uh, made with Conan. And boy, oh boy, was it the best homebrew batch of beer I've ever had. Oh, man, Jeff, if you're listening, that thing was awesome. Uh, so the original <laughs> batch of Hashtag No Filter, which is their main flagship beer now, yeah, uh, it was so, so good. It yeah. was, was so, so good. And it, I, so I watched the transition, right? We get a canning line. We start to can this beer. We start to make three batches of it a week and we're selling it in distro. We're selling it out of our own place and we're basically making a bid to be our own version of this massive kind of lineup sort of brewery. Right. And so I'm working with them at that time and then I move over to Back East which had attained that. Um, you know, you look at Ice Cream Man, the success of Ice Cream Man at, at Back East in Connecticut was very, very, very special. You know, and right. it's and it's not easy to get there. I think that, I mean this in the nicest way. Like, when you get a beer that sells the way that Ice Cream Man did, or just in general, just one of these beers that sells out, there's a, an element of luck that comes along with that. How do you mean? And this is back east, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, actually haven't had this beer, so I think that there is there is timing that comes into it. It's right. timing and location, right? It's how available is this. Thing that you're making mm -hmm. in reference to how close you are to the next best thing. Right. You know, so at the time in Connecticut, we were about an hour from Treehouse, and we at Back East offered something that we felt and apparently the consumer felt was at least comparable mm -hmm. to the best New England styles that were on the market. Right. And uh, and they still do an amazing job of selling ice cream man at Back East. They do a great job of selling double scoop, the double version of it. Right. Um, you know, Tony and Ed, uh, the owners of Back East, have done an amazing job with that place. I, I owe them so so much, and and they've done really great things for the industry in Connecticut by by bringing people into Connecticut who may not have been there before. Right. Like, right. Right. And, and that's like one of the interesting things about craft beer is that. You can bring people to Munson, Massachusetts, right? Yeah. No, no, no meanness to Munson, but there was no reason to to go to Munson, Massachusetts before Treehouse landed there, right? Like the first time I went there, I was like, "No, nah, this can't be right." <laughs> yeah. Dude, there's so many places I feel like, like I've... a neighborhood, and then farm fields, and all of a sudden, like, all of a sudden, like, it's like the. The, the clouds parted and the angels were singing. I'm like, holy shit. Like, Dude, that was like, I, this, this is where this I'm is supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. There was a time I was going to Plan B in Poughkeepsie with, with a friend of mine. And we were going Another to a place that if you're driving down the road, you're like, I can't, I must be going down somebody's like private driveway or it's something. It's exactly like, what he said Su to me. Suarez. Because it literally, like, Suarez, yeah. Like, you're just driving along also like, oh, there's Suarez Family Brew. Like, but like with Plan like, B, like, like he, we were driving down the road and you saw that said like private property. You'll get shot if you trespass, like that sort of shit. <laughs> And like, so we kept, we were driving and he literally was looking at me with like a serious look of concern going, dude, I really don't think this is the right way. I'm like, dude, trust me, you haven't done this enough. This is the right way. This is how you get to, get to yeah. a place like if this. If you think, if you think you're driving down the wrong road, you're, you're going, doing it right. You're going to the right. You're brewery. doing a great job. You're going <laughs> to the right brewery for sure. Hill but, Farmstead, perfect example too. Like, yeah. yeah. You oh, were man. driving along on 
a couple of dirt roads before you actually get there and you come to the top of this hill and there's some old weathered sign and yeah and here's this place that makes arguably the best beer in the world first time i went there i was like you guys are messing with me there is not <laughs> something at the top of the like where where are we like are we? We're gonna get stuck here. Well, and then we we're gonna get murdered. That's the that's the magic of this industry, though, right? Is that like we could put a business if you make the right beer in the right place at the right time, you could put it anywhere. People will definitely find you if if you make decent beer. And all of their neighbors are gonna be so fucking pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you were you were selling it back east, right? I was cellaring. I did a little bit of brewing there as well. Um, you know, uh, I had been home brewing for a couple years at that point, and I start cellaring it back east. And cellaring is one of those jobs that it is probably the most important job in the brewery. Um, and you just need you need somebody that really wants to work incredibly hard at it. Yeah, I mean, just just super reliable. Like, yeah, things have to happen on very set intervals. You can't just like, oh yeah, so and so is not in, so we're not going to do that. My because main like, thing was always like, it has never to happen when it has to happen. Never right? mess the schedule. That was that was like my drive at that point because I had been a packaging employee before that, and there is nothing worse as a packaging employee than showing up and, being, and hearing the seller person say, "Hey, sorry, the beer's not carved. Not ready yet. You gotta you gotta wait around for a couple hours." Because you know that as a packaging employee, especially at a large place, like that now you have to figure out something to do between now and the time that the beer is carbonated. That's tough, especially because beer carbonation, anybody who will tell you that has worked with it is, as we say, non-linear. Like, <laughs> you know. So that is actually black magic. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that shit is black magic. Sometimes it's like, oh, all right, yeah, here we are. Sometimes <laughs> it's sometimes it's yeah. two hours. Sometimes it's three hours. Sometimes it's ten hours. Sometimes it's I don't know how long. <laughs> yeah. There's no way it's gonna get to this. Oh shit, it got to that point. <laughs> and, and, and there's times where you walk around, where you walk away from it, and you say, "Hey, I'm gonna give this thirty minutes, and it'll be right." And next thing you know, or it's fucking. 0.25 volumes over. Yeah, yeah right. Now, exactly. Now ran like, away from you. Which like sounds biggest bitch to can this. Which sounds like nothing to some people, but like as you you would always hammer in. Like, do you understand what we measure in though? So I got my start in this industry, and I think this is if anybody were to ever ask me what my advice is to getting started, start on a canning line, run a canning line, right? Because. It will teach you everything you need to know about beer in every way, shape, and form. It'll teach you everything you need to know about pressures and physics and beer physics and all that kind of stuff. Like how things interact with each other, how heat interacts with with CO2 and all these different things. But it will also tell you that beer is not fair. Uh, It will teach you very, very quickly that beer is not fair. It doesn't care what you want or what you think or what what the book said. It does but not no, care. No, this should be fine. Like, ha ha, not so it, fast. It, beer does not care. It, it, it. I always tell people it doesn't sleep and it doesn't care. Like, if you leave it too hot, it will it will buck on you and it will do something that you didn't want it to do. If you leave it too cold, it won't even ferment. If you if you put it through the canning line too warm, it'll foam all over the place. If you put it through it for days. If you put it through it too low of a carbonation, best believe it's gonna be flat in the can, you know? So And your DO will be through the roof 
it's mean. Yeah. Beers are mean, you know, and <laughs> and I mean that even after the process too. Some people can't handle the uh, <laughs> the after product. Well, and that's the thing, right? Is like I or the end I, product, I should say. I remind people that want to get into beer all the time that you really better love it, you mm-hmm. know, because <laughs> if you don't, this is not easy money. Well, and everyone it's, thinks it's easy money. Like, oh, I'm just gonna come in and put beer in 16 ounce cans and. We're all going to leave with wheelbarrows full of cash. Like <laughs> it is just not the way it works. Well, and it's you not even love that. the shit out of this. And it's not even that, right? Because you can make millions of dollars doing this, and if you still don't really love it, like there are days where it can really piss you off. <laughs> I'd love to have you tell me how we can make millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have, we've been doing this for almost four years now. And we've yet to figure that. Trust part me, of Jeff. If I if, if I had figured it out, we'd be on my podcast yeah. right now. <laughs> Actually, no one would have a podcast. Fair, Who fair just fucking enough. cares? Um, yeah. So be hanging out on your yacht right now. Yeah, that too. Having, I would having, love a yacht. Yachts. And then we'd great. be on the uh, the Twitter the Twitter account that tracks everyone's yachts just to see where you were and when you went offline. Um, they can track me all they want if I have a yacht. <laughs> so <laughs> so I don't know. If, I mean, just, I don't. Just not the IRS. I'm going. I'm going to assume you. Well, did you listen to the Wayward episode? Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, so we referred to to Adam and Kyle as carpetbaggers. Okay. Now we know that that can be used as a derogatory way to refer to a politician. You coming from? I mean, you were originally from Philly, right? No, I'm from Long Island. So oh I'm Jesus Christ, Long Island! Question. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, for not from the capital I'm region, a, so maybe and, this I'm works. I'm born and raised New Yorker, baby. What's Son up? of a bitch! I knew that. Too. All right. But no, what got you though, Connecticut up to upstate? Like even from Long Island, because most people who live in Long Island, they didn't even realize that trees existed. I felt like when I went to college <laughs> yeah, in Plattsburgh. Yeah, no, we're very flat in Long Island. <laughs> we're very flat on Long Island. But what brought you to upstate? Um, so, New York. So uh, I worked with Keegan, uh, who uh, at Back East. I worked with Keegan, who taught me a ton about brewing, and uh, and he was in many ways my mentor. Uh, and he came up here to start uh, Whitman Brewing, and uh, when he came up here, he needed somebody to come up and kind of do do the the nitty gritty for him. Uh, I was much more uh, mechanically inclined than him. I think he'd admit that. Uh, and uh, and so when he needed somebody to come up and do this with him, he he looked to me, and I said, absolutely, let's do it. Uh, and since he's moved back to Connecticut, uh, just I think he was more comfortable there. And, uh, you know, personally, I, I chose to forge forward here because I believed in the vision of Whitman. I believed in um, what we were building. And it had been something that I had uh, attributed a lot of my time and effort to. So I wanted to stay and hang out and do the thing. So that's why I'm here. So what was the vision of Whitman then? Because like you guys kind of opened during a time where like, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but it sort of felt the obsession was with New England like hazy IPAs. So what was the vision when you guys opened? When when we when Keegan and I first put our hands on it, we actually didn't want it to be about that. Like what we feel, what I feel, what I should say, what I feel, because I don't want to speak for anybody else. What I feel, Whitman, the name and the idea of it represents is artistry. Right? Like, okay. All right. Whitman was not just some guy who wrote stuff on a page. He was an artist in every way, shape, and form. He tried to look at things in a different way from people in his time. 
uh, he was different from the people in his time. And I think that that resonated with me especially because I have always been different, right? And No. <laughs> no, no, no. You, no, you seem I fit like right you... in. I fit right in the mold. <laughs> um, no, but but that's that's what, what resonated with me uh, and, and why I think that, you know, we are able to do a lot of different things with women. We are able to focus in a lot of different places. Uh, we've done everything from a beer wine hybrid to your new, traditional New England style. We do saisons. We've done. We have a half of eisen that stays on quite a bit. I mean, like, Jesus, what are we drinking right now? Uh, this is a dry hop blondale uh, called "I Forget the Rest." You know, and like that. Listen, I'm not the first one that came up with that. No, uh, you're not. But what I'm saying is, it's just like you don't see not a lot of brewers are always like, "Hey, we're going to do a hoppy blondale." Yeah, it's a hazy pale ale. Okay, fair we, enough. We 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 can like. I tried call, it out. Call things wherever we want. You put that on any other tap, and you called it a, a, a hazy New England pale or whatever the fuck. You yeah, want yeah, to call yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Like, I would it's con- a great beer. I would contend that it's uh, that it, in in my side, mind side by side with right time and place. Like to me, they're the same. They're in the same family for sure. For sure, absolutely. The only thing that I would argue because they have very similar grain bills. The only yeah. the only thing that I would argue is that we mash this a little colder. So it comes out a little drier. So that is so the okay. re, so the Fair. reason that I come out with this around spring is because as the weather warms up, I prefer things to be less sweet. Um, that that sugar to me when it starts to get hot can be kind of it'll weigh you down a little bit. So that's why I, I thought about drying this out a little. Um, Look at Mr. Fancy Pants. Right I there. feel like, like this sort of like this bleeds into my next question because I was going to be like, so how did you, and Jeff and Erica connect? And I kind of feel like I just saw how this happened. These sort of discussions <laughs> yeah. that can take place between you guys. Oh yeah, like he'll call my bullshit and I'll call his bullshit. And well, and the, one of my favorite things is when Jeff calls my bullshit and then I actually get him to agree with it. Like is there... <laughs> I'm not. I'm not above like changing my mind. Absolutely not. And yeah. that's one of the things I love about you guys is that like you have your ideas, I have my ideas. But whenever we talk, we somehow reach we a can middle. Find a common ground. Yeah. We we somehow reach a middle every time we talk about something. Except Roush beers. Oh, oh Jesus! Fuck. Them. No, that's where Nick and I come together. This is a <laughs> this that. is a common yes. theme where we're just gonna always bring up like Roush beers. They're great, right, Jeff? No. <laughs> they are. Terrible to me. So I will say say the smoke porter that you do light and smoke discipline. Is that the name of it? Yeah. Award winning beer. Tis. um, It's not overly, it's not overly smoky. So to me, like that's fine. But I've had some that it's just like, you cannot choke it down. You couldn't choke it down if you had a, a water chaser to go with it. Well, I think this this comes back to a lot of what we've talked about before with recipe, recipe development is that you get a lot of people who, when they want to make a style of beer that they may have liked or whatever, they look at like the BJCP guidelines or something like that, and they see Roush beer should have 40-plus percent of smoke malt, and then they just buy a bunch of smoke malt and they throw it in a beer and they see what happens. And then according yeah, to Jeff, can... at least a portion of your local restaurant's ashtray. <laughs> yeah, that's what half of them taste like. Which is, which, listen, I mean, you know, uh, I think that there are a ton of great breweries that do great representations in New England styles and then I have some of them from certain places and I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that. 
Uh, so I think that that I, Some I think questionable examples. I think Name that, them. No. Uh, that's not what I'm here <laughs> to do. Not gonna happen. Uh, but uh, you're you're going for the headline grab right now. I see. Andrew. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, that's that's not my deal. I've I think had, I've only had two beers. I'm, I'm not quite at that point. <laughs> that I'll start throwing names out. But we'll make them longer. So so you know I think that you see a lot of those types of people, right? That that try to make something that is stylistically what it's supposed to be instead of working with what they feel their palates enjoy which i have that's always been my judge of whether or not a beer is good right is what do i think and what do the people around me think right right? right. because going off of what a piece of paper says or even just what all your friends think or whatever is just it's not a good barometer it's you know it's no it's because what you enjoy uh, what I've always said is that the beers that I enjoy making the most always come out the best. Okay. It just, period. It's just the way it is. That's why we divide and conquer here. Like, Erica makes sours. I make hoppy beers. I make lagers. She makes saisons, pastry stouts. Like smoke beers. Smoke beers. Yep. Upon occasion, um, against my wishes, but whatever it's neither here nor there we have a beer um, that's kind of similar along that theme too but like in the end though like yeah there, there's a reason why i make the beers that i do I, I i enjoy these beers like i am drinking a low fill can of a glimpse of bavaria our sort of house lager that we packaged earlier today like i love this beer i love making it um Cause it, like because because it's it. important to you right yeah. like I love barley wines. Don't get me wrong; they're delicious beer. Like I think she'll be doing the, the barley wines if the, we ever hit that point. Because like I'm not a huge fan, but she is. Like, in the right situation, I love them. But like, man, oh man, am I not gonna sit and spend my time parsing out what is gonna make the best barley wine? Because quite frankly, it's just not. I don't want to sit down when I get home and 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 crack open a can of barley wine, right? Like, I. Look forward to having a can of Edelweiss or our Hefeweizen when I get home because that beer, to me, is one of the most refreshing beers we make. It, it has a great flavor profile. It's complex yet simple, and that is, that's what makes the best beer, I think, is, is the thing that people care about. What do you want to come home to? What's that? <laughs> what do you want to come home to? Uh, yeah, yeah kind of. In a lot of ways, yeah. Right? Because if it was the last beer left in your fridge... And you needed a beer. You don't want it. You need it, right? And I mean, it's you come thirteen percent barley wine. I, I actually used to give this exact same example to people. Like, if if you came home from the worst day of work that you ever had, and you know your pre-brewing life, and you just wanted a beer so goddamn bad, what is it? When you open that fridge, if there was only one can in there, what would make you the happiest? That's the beer that you should be brewing a majority of the time. Yep. And, and that is what I try to remember, too, is that we are making beer for that, for other people, too, though, right? Is that as much as I, and I will only make those beers because those are where you're going to feel it the most, right? The same way that you're going to feel the song that the musician felt the most about, right? Like, I, but if I can translate that to somebody else... And, and manufacture that happiness for somebody else, that's my job, right? I don't make beer 
to be the foo-foo nicest brewer in the world or like to be, you know, the the best or whatever, right? Because that could, that can change, right? It could be Sean Hill. It could be this guy, that guy, this gal, whomever, right? Like, who knows? There's no there's no metric for that. But what makes well, the, the, the metric is it's different for everybody. Exactly. Who's best? Exactly. Because because who's best can come down to whose beer makes you feel the best when exactly. you when you get your What's hands the coolest on coolest car is different to you and to you and to Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And so. You know, to to feel as if I have to chase what other people want, or or to to feel as if I I'm pushed into something would never feel right to me because I'm never gonna give it what I could give something that I really 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 care about. You know, I mean that's a beautiful sentiment. <laughs> no, <laughs> I try to be true. Eh? You know, no, no, no. no. I, I and I'm sorry. No, it, no I mean no, it really no, does. I know, I know it's completely genuine, but I really do think that's an interesting way to look at it because I think about that all the time in terms of like, what do I want in my fridge? Like, you know, do I want what everyone else is fucking talking about? Or do I know, do I want something in my fridge where at the end of the day, it's going to have stuff in it. I'm going to want a beer and it's going to be want to be something that I really want to drink in that moment. Not just to try, but literally want to consume the entire thing. So I think that's sort of an interesting aspect in terms of looking at it. Yeah, but, or, or more than one, right? Like, right. Like there are plenty of beers that if someone could say like, oh, would you, would you want one of these? Like, some of them I might only want to like share with the four of us sitting at this. Right, table. right. Like, you have but, beers you pick out for certain yeah, people. You're like, but if, I need to drink it with this crowd of people. Wine, perfect example. Like, I was thinking about that. Like, I do dig barley wines, but only if we're at like a share with some friends and we're gonna have that cut seven ways. Yeah, right. Right. Like, I don't need to be drinking a thirteen percenter. Like that's just that that's a heavyweight and it's a big it's a big thing big commitment. I'm not I'm not drinking that whole thing. Myself. Even like I awesome sh- sour I want, beer. I want to experience that with with other people that enjoy beer kind of the same way that I do that Erica does that Nick does. Well, right? and yeah. even like right? a, a bottle of Cantillon, right? Like Can- a, yeah, a, a I lovely want to share that with like. 12 people. Yeah, a lovely yeah. seven. There's so much going on. Seven, you want to share that feeling with, with everyone with you everyone care about. Well, you it's like going to a concert, oddly, in the same it, right? way, like, where you feel that same connection. I could connection. drink a bottle of wine, no problem. 750 milliliters, right? Same thing. Because well, you can go buy it again tomorrow, or tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that. But, but you'd be a these fucking beers. lunatic to drink that much sour by yourself, you know? Exactly. Like, no, that's a true story. Lunatics. I, I do agree, though. Come that, on. Um, <laughs> I could do it. <laughs> Erica's like, give me a bottle of candy. Give it, I'll, I'll do it right, right now. Sorry, I'll do it right yeah. here, right now. I'm pretty sure you guys probably have one in the don't touch pile in the <laughs> back. Like, probably is, actually. Shit, he knows about the don't touch pile. But anyway, so but what I do put beers in that pile. Well, <laughs> what I do want to at least sort of expand on though a little bit is so like obviously there's a connection between you and Jeff and Erica. Really, just you know, it's two breweries kind of coming together in that sense. So the ability to work together. I mean, watching you guys kind of converse things and just and 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 talk about things and and also then you know coming to a point of making beers together, which we'll get to that in just a moment. But I mean, how do you find that working within the capital region? I've always approached beer as a collaborative thing. I've always approached beer as a collaborative thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the 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 point has never been to hide stuff right i watched this documentary in college about glass blowing actually and this is going to be very roundabout but i promise it'll make sense uh i watched this documentary about glass blowing in college and mm-hmm. there's this guy bob snodgrass and he talks about discovering silver fuming 
Uh, so silver fuming is what causes your bowl when you smoke it to to change colors. Oh, we're talking about smoking weed now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For oh, sure. okay. I was say, like, wait a minute. I like literally walked away for ten seconds, and all of a sudden, to tell Nick's customers that we're weed. not open tonight, and I come back. I'm sorry, Nick and I. Nick and I are at a table. So, um, so. <laughs> so is Erica. So Bob Snodgrass <laughs> yes. uh, was this guy who pioneered American glass blowing. He would sell his pipes on Shakedown Street at dead shows during the 60s and 70s. And he discovered silver fuming by accident. Mm. He accidentally hits this piece of silver that he's coloring a piece of glass with, uh, with the flame, instead of hitting it with the end of the flame. And it puts this cloud on the glass. And he looks at it and he goes, man, I fucked this up. Shit. And so he gives it to one of his friends. He's like, hey, I fucked this bowl up. Like, here, have it for free, right? And she calls him a few days later. She's like, Bob, you'll never believe it. You got to come see this. He goes, what? He goes, she goes, that bowl that you gave me that was yellow yesterday is like this crazy teal blue. And he figures out that it happened because he hit it with the flame the wrong way and whatever. And he goes, oh, shit. I know something nobody else knows. He goes, what do I do? Do I not tell anybody? He's like, do I keep this for myself? He goes, nah, I think I'm going to tell every glass blower that I run into. And like, that's how I've always looked at brewing is it's just like, it's this community, right? We are all tradespeople working at this thing, trying to be, trying to just make cool stuff. So if I'm friends with you and, and we've worked together before, we, we, you know, I come and hang out at your place cause I live across the street, whatever it is. Like, and we're close and we're friends and I've had dinner at your house and all these things. Like you're goddamn right. I'm going to tell you about something that I know about because what kind of person would I be? I learned all this from people who were nice enough to tell me. Mm. So what kind of an asshole would I be? Did you just censor yourself? I I'm sorry. I had to bit. stop. I did okay, a little right. bit. I tried to be, I tried to be somewhat friends. What kind of a totally fucking fine. asshole would I be? <laughs> what kind of a fucking asshole would I be to, to withhold that from somebody, right? If I know something that nobody else knows. Yeah. You're goddamn right. I'm going to tell Jeff and Eric because they're my friends and I want them to make awesome beer too. Because I've told you. All sorts, innumerable all sorts of stuff that how we do certain things here. Like, so, so, and, and maybe. And what, we've had that help from lots of other people too. Yeah. Like it just. I, I, I look at it and I've made this analogy to Jeff and Erica before. Like I look at it very much how like uh, we're all quarterbacking a team, right? Like, like Carson Wentz. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Both Except I throw a better deep out. Hopefully a little better. I, I throw a better deep out than Carson Wentz, I think. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, like, you know, we all quarterback our own team. And if you have a quarterback good enough to throw the ball, to make the throw that you need to make, great. You know, if not, then that's on you, you know. So I, I will give the plays to whomever. Right, like it's uh, I have the confidence in myself that that what we do and the way I do it is as good as what I can do is right. So if if I give the play to Jeff and he runs it better than me, that's my fault. But the one thing, I mean, obviously, right here, you guys are just talking a lot of it in terms of you guys are talking shop hardcore here, right? So the one thing though is that you guys have collab have done a collab before. Yes, we have. We have. It was called Just Enough Nature. Yeah. We're looking to do a little more Tomorrow, nature. Pale ale brewed with honey. Tomorrow we're doing a little more nature, if you will. It's is it little be. more, or is it what? It, what is the I name of this going to be? Uh, 
no. We can we can that, we can more, workshop that. Even uh, more is going to be the double version that we'll do. I, I was going to say that the double was too much nature too actually. Much nature. So we can do even more nature this time. It's it, it hey, it's your guys' game. It's gonna actually be friends from other places number three because you're coming here. Yeah, and like that's uh, our even more nature. Yeah, even more nature. Yeah. I like it. So, so what is this fine. going to look like? What do what are we what are we gonna so, get from this beer? What can people expect from so this we beer? We did uh, just enough nature, which was a and uh, that was at Whitman. At Whitman, it was a honey New pale. England style pale ale. Um, with this beautiful honey that came from, like, some apiary out by Rochester. Howland. It? It's actually kind of by Binghamton. By Binghamton. Okay. Like, some of I, some of the best honey I've ever had in my life. It had, like, a really, almost like a strawberry-ish kind of flavor going So it's on. a raspberry single-source honey. Okay. It's a raspberry single-source honey, which was, like, one of these things that brewers, like, love to dive into rabbit holes. I got obsessed what about you do you like diving in the rabbit holes oh, yeah, okay anyway sure. moving on oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. moving on moving on we're gonna do that same beer but as basically a 6.5 percent single ipa with a bunch of cool kid hops and- so so cool kid hops. wondering I like what single source honey is single source honey uh comes from bees that have only pollinated a single type of plant uh which is pretty cool uh, like that, like I was saying about rabbit holes, like that, this was like one of these things that when I learned about this, because it came from this farm in Europe, uh, that, uh, their bees would only pollinate lavender plants and the honey would come out this like bluish purple, like indigo color. Oh huh. uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's like how this all started. Uh, and it's <laughs> wait, like, this, this beer? No, or? no, no. no. <laughs> Just single source honey. Just single source honey. No, no, I was paying attention. (laughs) So yeah, like trying to go down the rabbit hole with him. It's just a little sticky. Anyways, puns about. No pun pun intended. Uh, So the bees feed on the nectar of X plant, and and it actually imparts a lot of the character of that plant into the honey. Uh, It can. So with like this raspberry honey, right? Like the the color when it came out of the bucket when we did it at, at uh, Whitman, like it was this deep reddish orange color because you did can, not look like honey the way you would think of yeah the normal golden color right like it was much much more crimson so you, fantastic flavor you see this right and. It was the first thing that my brewer brain did was like it has to be worth it, right? Like it has to have some sort of uh, of leftover flavor or whatever. And it that pale ale we made definitely had these crazy outside of the box kind of hot flavors and stuff that that we hadn't really come in contact with before. Um, and honey is really great for that. Like, it's a natural ingredient. That's another thing that I love. We always talk about how we don't like using fake ingredients, artificial ingredients, whatever you want to call them, right? Like, it, it's to us, it's all about things that come from nature and things that you could... That if you were some... I mentioned it earlier, Saxon walking around in 650 AD, right? Like, Read between the lines. We do not use extracts for anything ever. Yeah, that's that's a that's a non-negotiable. Um, 
So that's something that we that we care very, very deeply about. Uh, and that's something where we met in the middle about that. And it's funny because honey can be a divisive thing in beer, right? Some people see honey in beer and they're like, oh, this is going to be great. Some people see it and they're like, ah, I don't like honey beers. And it's, it's usually because of some contact that they had with a honey wheat ale way back in the day or whatever. But That and, was cloyingly sweet, <laughs> right? Right. Which, like, that's something that, that I've always talked about with Jeff and Erica is attenuation is super important to me. Like, like the way that things taste and feel on your mouth and and the... I know, mouth feel. Uh, a, no, I wasn't I was going just, to say it. I, I don't, know why, like, don't mouth, know why you had to. Yeah. But it's my favorite term. It's okay. I'm just feel. sweating profusely now <laughs> out of discomfort. But it's fine. It's fine. Like, all that kind of stuff is is important right so when you talk about like what's the difference between adding honey and dextrose to something you know like we'll eventually do a double ipa version of this we are um, i think it, we were just saying it was too much but that's fine yeah oh, i did just it'll say happen that. we did yeah i did say that. that one will be at your place yeah we yeah. always like to do home and away games so day. so you you have this like you have Dextrose, which is very easily fermentable sugar to yeast, and you can give that to it. Which is not actually available right now in the entire fucking brewing world, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> because because our suppliers have, like, sent us these, like, messages, like, oh, no, this is what we're going to send you guys. Please stop sub. asking. Yeah, like, <laughs> stop, stop sending requests for it. Like, we don't know when it's going to be exist. here. This end part of it, though, this is, I mean, this is the part that I feel like that we started this sort of podcast, though, is that... We're talking about different breweries, different brewers, just fucking coming together in this area and just kind of talking shop and really just kind of exchanging ideas. So I kind of feel like this is sort of a beautiful spot to sort of end the whole thing, too, as well, because that's really the whole purpose of why we wanted to do this in, in a lot of ways. So, Nick, I appreciate you. It was really lovely having you on. That's what I'm here for. Like, I... I like yo, because uh, like I said, right? I, if, if he cuts it out, like I joked with him, like <laughs> I said, I was like, "How literal are we going to talk about beer on this podcast?" And then I spent the entirety of the podcast talking about beer. Told uh, so. <laughs> I mean, I knew you would. I didn't well, know how you else. Baby, into it. Everybody <laughs> does. Though, like, that's the whole point of this, though, is that we we do talk about all these like little nuances of our businesses, of our different breweries, of the industry that I think the average consumer who walks in the door mm-hmm. who loves your beer loves my beer loves erica's beer like they don't know these things like they do think snippet. it's this magic yeah, yeah. It's, that, it's that little snippet it is that little window into into how some of this stuff works that most people might not know at all yeah you can see the little idiosyncrasies right that that make the difference between unified's beer and whitman's beer but also come together to make whatever collaboration that we're making right like that's that is and the word idiosyncrasies is what comes mm-hmm. down what it comes down to in a lot of ways of what makes everybody's beer differently because if you look at a lot of our recipes next to each other i promise very you very similar yeah they all look the same like you know they all have a oh, wait sim- use 20 percent flaked oats like no shit Who so do we like, yeah. <laughs> no way like, you know, so so that's one of those things when, when Jeff and I and Erica and I sit down and we start to talk about recipe and we start to talk about what makes a beer a beer, mm. 
you end up finding out that we all have the same idea. Right. It just so happens that we come at it from this yeah, slightly different, different, different angles. angle yeah. that, that allows us to shake different flavors out or do something different, right? Like our house yeast is different. Our, our, mm-hmm. The way that we approach whirlpooling hops is different, right? And we could have spent 30 minutes oh talking – Th- talking about temperatures three, and whatnot. Three hours talking yeah, about technical but, stuff. But we, we have no interest in that, right? That's not what we're here for. We're well, here, more people that listen to it. We're yeah. Here, yeah, yeah, more people. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, the, we'll get the 50 brewers in America. One, one out of the seven people yeah. listening is like, oh, my God, I want to know how they work. Oh, shit, well, right. We'll get, like, 50 brewers in America to listen to us and talk about uh, what temperature you Whirlpool hops at. But How long? And But yeah. the, 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 the most important thing here is helping – Everybody understand that, like you, like we said, like what we're not doing isn't black magic. Like we just, right. we all talk to each other, we all hang out with each other, we all have a similar idea of what we want to get to, you know, and and we all compete with each other in a very healthy way, right? And that's what I would love to leave people with, right? Is that like I've always looked at this industry as healthy competition. Is that there no is no there no is at all. no animosity held towards somebody who's successful in this business no animosity towards people i've tasted people's beer before i've been like man this person makes way better beer than me how the fuck am i gonna do that you know and like we say the same thing every day yeah absolutely and and you get angry about it and then you get fucking serious about it right and then you go i'm gonna do it and that's i think what what may always made me better at this is that I never tasted somebody I, I've heard owners of breweries taste other people's beer and go I don't get it yeah and they just shit on it like they no, go I don't get we're it we're the last ones to shit on like, why why does nobody taste why does nobody taste my beer and feel this way about it and I'm like well because clearly it doesn't taste that way yeah and, and you cannot get it all you want but what I get is that we're all trying to do the same thing we're all trying to get to the same end goal but I'm not fighting against anybody, you know, and that is what makes me love this industry is that like, like I said about Bob Snodgrass, what am I going to do with it? I'm going to tell everybody I know, you know, because that's the way I care about it. Right. I would rather Jeff and Erica know how to do something than me have a one up on them because I just didn't tell them like that doesn't make me feel better about myself. Nick, thank you again. Thank you, guys. This has been awesome. Lovely chatting with you. I know. No, this sort of shit is fun. So uh, you can find... Nikolai, good chat. Uh, you can find our podcast on anywhere you do listen to podcasts, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher... Runs the whole gamut, even though we know that most of you listen to on Apple Podcasts. Anyways, we are on Instagram at Unified Beer Works. You can search for us on Facebook. Find the same thing. Thank you very much to everyone listening. And you can find them on Stonebreak Road in Malton, New York and drink some beers with them and you'll probably see me there because I'm here like two or three times a week. It's old Stone Rank and Jesus Christ, I hope some Thank of you, you can all find seven us. People. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, there are some of you this podcast and you don't know where they are. I want to know who you are. I want to know who you are. I also want to know <laughs> I will do I need like to give you my personal cell phone number. Do I need to just talk to you on the phone? Do I need to talk to you on the phone and give you step-by-step directions because I have done that before. It's something that I've done behind the bar so thank you again and uh please tune in next time bye everyone thanks guys this is rad as hell au revoir long live the queen